You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, welcome to the program. It's hour two on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Hope you had a uh, great Cinco de Mayo. We're going to start st- celebrating the uh, Seis de Mayo, the day after. I don't know what we're celebrating, but maybe we should do that. Because there's a lot of pressure on Cinco de Mayo. And if you missed the first hour, you're lucky because I talked about my virtual cooking class last night with my wife and daughter. Took one for the team last night, but uh, two and a half hours in, I said to my wife, when are we going to eat? All we're doing is making tacos and guacamole and some margaritas. But I survived. I made it through. Um, All right. Paul Feinbaum is going to join us coming up a little bit. College football news. Talk to him about Meta World Peace. Former NBA player will stop by. Jets signed Frank Gore at the age of 37. He could end up second on the all-time list in yardage. He's got he's got 11 miles from scrimmage in his career. Going to the Hall of Fame. But at age 37, are they bringing him in to help Le'Veon Bell become Le'Veon Bell again? I was talking about at the very end of uh, last hour, uh, we had a caller from Cincinnati bringing up uh, Kenny Anderson and Ken Riley, who played uh, for the Bengals. Kenny Anderson was the first quarterback to complete 70% of his passes in a season. That was 1982. That record stood till 2009. What he did in 1982 lasted until Drew Brees broke it in 2009. Kenny Anderson lost his Super Bowl. He lost the Super Bowl in Detroit to the 49ers and Joe Montana. He played in Cincinnati. He was a very good quarterback. And borderline Hall of Famer. But uh, and we got on that topic. Uh, I don't even know how we got on the topic. Well, we were talking about running backs and, and Hall of Fame. Would you rather have Frank Gore's career or Terrell Davis? And I said, Terrell Davis was the best running back during a three-year period in the history of the sport. He gained more yards in the three-year period, back-to-back-to-back, than any running back has ever done in his career. Career cut short, a couple of Super Bowls, won an MVP, but Frank Gore is going to the Hall of Fame. McLevin, uh, what poll question? Are we going to stay with the poll question from last hour? Well, yeah, we put up whose career would you want, uh, Terrell Davis or Frank Gore. 70% went with Terrell Davis. So I guess, yeah, I think it's the Super Bowls, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure if you took them out, it would be the same result. Uh, a couple other NFL polls, if you want to hear them. Okay. Okay, which division champ is most likely to fall off their perch? And I'll give you the the top five, most likely, the Packers, Eagles, Texans, Patriots, or Saints. And I put the Saints in just because Tom Brady's in their division. I am going to say the Texans. I think the Colts are the class of that division. Well, what about the Titans, too? Aren't they right there? I, I think the Colts are better than the Titans. But, you know, the Titans might be better than the Texans. We saw that at the end of the year. Will they be able to be that same team with that same style this year? That's what I'm curious about with the Titans. They sort of surprised everybody second half of the season where it was basically, you know what's coming. Can you stop it? And teams couldn't stop Derrick Henry. But I would say the Texans, I don't think anybody has taken that. You know, Buffalo might be close to being on the same level with New England, but... I, I'd, I'd still take New England. I'd still. I love my bills, but I would still take New England. Here's a couple of uh, items here. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick said that, quote, there's a significant chance the college football season could begin without all the conferences starting at the same time due to the pandemic. 
what I told you yesterday, uh, the information I got is the Pac-12's in trouble. That's how it was labeled to me because of the travel restrictions, what's going on in California. Uh, I think David Shaw, Stanford's head coach, is set to join us on the program tomorrow. And I can ask him about this, that you were going to play 10 games. This is what I was told. Now, whether this happens or not, this is what is on the table with these commissioners. You play 10 games, nine will be conference games, and then you're going to be playing somebody, a, a regional opponent. So maybe you take a bus and you're not. If they want to restrict traveling. That's the big issue. And the Pac-12, you got to travel. And that's going to be a big problem for some of these schools. Yeah, Paul. I'm most curious to see what happens, for instance, just an example. If USC decides to have classes in person with students in the fall and Stanford does not, and somehow there's a rule that if you're not, students aren't in classes, the kids can't participate in sports, which wouldn't surprise me if that's like a, a university rule at Stanford. Which rule would supersede the Pac-12s? rule of playing football or Stanford's rule? Again, Stanford hasn't said this. I'm just using them as an example. If two teams in a conference have two different plans for the school year, how does that work out for sports? Well, also, could the SEC go rogue and just say, we're playing football? I mean, you guys do what you want to do. We have no commissioner. Like, you have nobody who's overseeing this. Mark Emmert is not overseeing this. You know, you, the SEC is more powerful than the NCAA. I mean, I, just being honest with you, the SEC could just say, hey, we're, we're playing football. And when we had their commissioner on a week ago, you know, they're, they're planning on playing Labor Day. And I don't know if you have the Big Ten, it will do the same. It, it really depends on the proximity of your schools and being, you know, because it's state by state of what is allowable, what's going to be permissible. And we're not going to have fans. Will it be pushed back a little bit? I think it's going to be delayed. Therefore, you're going to only have 10 games. You know, I have nine conference games, and then you would have, you know, a game outside of the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC. That, that's what I'm being told. But, you know, uh, Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa head coach, will join us tomorrow. David Shaw from Stanford will join us on Friday. But we'll talk to Feinbaum. He'll join us coming up. Uh, I'm being informed that the chat row, that's our locker room here, where uh, the listeners are, are sequestered. There's a big debate, a heated debate about how great the Beatles were. McLovin, are you yeah. involved in this? Because no. I'm scared, too, because people are really passionate. Uh, somebody had an interesting note in there saying that you can't trust anyone who does not like the Beatles or does not love the Beatles. Hmm. Can't trust them. I don't know if I go that far. I, I can't trust your music judgment. And like, I'm not going to assess you as a person if you don't like the Beatles, but I will assess your musical taste if you don't appreciate the Beatles. Is that what they're talking about? Or is this? No, no, no. They're going way beyond. Oh my this God. is a this is a gloves <laughs> off debate on the Beatles. How can you debate the greatness of the Beatles? Paul? I, I think the problem with people and the Beatles is mm. they don't like being told that they're great and being being forced down to them that. Uh, the Beatles are the greatest band of all time, and you have to shut up now. I think people who are hardcore Beatles fans are not, there's no wiggle room with the Beatles. And people who are not hardcore fans of them are like, hey, I don't want to be told that they're the greatest. Let me decide for myself. Well, you don't have to say they're the greatest or agree with that, but you, I think, have to have an understanding of what they did and how they did it and how big they were. That they went from being One Direction, a pop band, to becoming this, you know, 
brilliant band with, you know, the, the technology, everything that was involved in it. You know, that I, I am baffled when people say, like McLovin does, the Beatles are overrated. Yes, yes, McLovin. I think it's that One Direction period that confuses a lot of people. Because we hear, the songs you hear are I Want to Hold Your Hand and the poppy songs, which do not fit that White Album era. So it's, it's confusing because I wasn't there. But so I hear I Want to Hold Your Hand. I'm like, ah, that's just a, a, you know, that's Debbie Gibson for all, you know, that's just a pop song. But, but you're not, stop, One Direction, stop there. I can't believe right. I'm bringing up One Direction with the Beatles. But you're stopping in, in the poppy period. Now look at what they did. And then you do the White Album and Sgt. Pepper. I mean, come on. Nobody comes, no, I, close, nobody comes close to that. No one, no one, no one, no one. No one. How about like the Zeppelin, Rolling Stones? Too? No, those guys. No, not, no. not close. That's no. The Stones would be because you've got unbelievable songs, great music. They stayed together. You know, the Beatles were Sandy Koufax. You know, it was like an eight-year period where you went, they're the best. It's not even close. That that they're the best. And everybody who followed tried to follow suit with them and tried to do what they did, and it's just not close. No. And and look, I, I have great respect for music and bands and those that stay together and those that happen upon the scene for a, a few years. What the Beatles did, and that music still plays. It does. Still plays. Yeah, McLovin. Uh, Mick Jagger and McCartney have been giving a lot of interviews on this topic lately. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There was a big GQ article. Jagger pointed out that the Beatles never got to do the stadium tours. And he wasn't sure what would have happened. He said, the Rolling Stones may not have been greater, but we lasted through that period. And he didn't know if the Beatles could do the stadium tours. And what does that mean that they they couldn't do stadium tours? Well, he said the Stones were they, built to they play didn't stadiums want to. in a way... Yeah, yeah. No, Jagger was not denigrating. He admits the Beatles are amazing, but he's saying, like, give the Stones credit for sort of ushering in this huge stadium tour thing. Well, I can't see the Beatles really doing what the Stones did. Could they? You know, those well, they look at what they did at Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium was so loud, the Beatles couldn't hear themselves. They created such a frenzy. They didn't like it though. It seemed like they pulled exactly. Away from that. They they chose not to tour like that. Right. That's sort of what Jagger's saying. Well, that, I'm going to give him credit because they decided to do it, and the Beatles said, "No, we're not doing it." I mean, I give the Stones a lot of credit for a lot of things, but hey, you played, you know, stadiums. Well, congratulations. So did Oasis. Yeah, Paul. The Beatles only toured for two and a half years in America after they broke in '63, '64. Their last concert, their last live concert, was Candlestick Park. In uh, 66. Yeah. So basically, they had a less than a three-year run of live touring in America. And they were together for oh, three and a half years, four years after that without playing live. But they were cranking out albums. It, it felt like they were doing an album, you know, maybe two albums, one and a half albums every year, it felt like. Here's a tidbit, by the way, I just found. The last concert the Beatles ever played was Candlestick Park. The capacity was 42,500 that night. They did not sell out. Only 25,000 tickets were sold, and the Beatles were frustrated by that because they're like, they didn't like the, that whole atmosphere in general, that big concert hmm. atmosphere. And then when they found they didn't sell it out, they were, I won't use the word embarrassed, but some in the story I'm reading that they were not pleased with how it went, whether it was the promoter's fault or whatever it was. Okay. Overrated. <laughs> Do you think they're overrated, Seton O'Connor? Can't even sell out candlestick. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do really? you think they're overrated? The Beatles? Yeah. No. No, of course not. All right. Well, good. 
We don't always agree with music, Seton and myself, but we agree on that. The Beatles not overrated. Todd, who knows nothing about music. Yeah, a little much. I'm, I'm on the McLovin camp of, uh, they, I, I respect and admire what they oh, accomplished. God. But some people could be great. It doesn't mean you have to love them just because they're great. <sighs> yeah, you got to take time to listen and understand, I think, the greatness. I mean, it's not Hall of Notes. It's not. No, it's I'm not. I'm glad you uh, No, they that. are not. In fact, you know, that's McCartney's biggest regret. He and Lennon were just not Hall of Notes. They wish they did. Uh, I can't go for that. No can do. But, you know, not everybody can do No, because that. that's a really complex song. That's very deep. <laughs> yes, Eaton. I do think, well, I think the Beatles are great. And I don't think they're Here's overrated at all. Here's that. I do but. think some of their greatness is attributed to the fact that there's like a generation of people right now who were teenagers then who are sort of in control of like the media and everything else and are obsessed with making sure the Beatles remain the greatest band of all time. Wait, there's a, there's a, a, a movement of a foot here with younger kids. No, I don't think. No, there's not. No, there's a generation of, of people who were teenagers. Oh, were te- then. oh I thought the teenagers and, were coming. No, 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 no. Oh, the people okay. who were like teenagers when the Beatles came out and they made a huge, you know, such a huge impact on them culturally that those people are now, you know, all adults and, you know, are in charge of sort of the media and mm. uh, record companies and radio stations and all of those things. And they are obsessed with the idea of the Beatles remaining the greatest band of all time. Mm. Yes, McLovin. The band that people don't like, or the guy that people don't like getting pushed upon is Bruce Springsteen, because a lot of people are told you have to love the boss. I've seen that a lot where Mm. people rebel against that. And sort of, I think he gets underrated sometimes because people don't like to be pushed on Bruce Springsteen. Well, you, what gets pushed upon you was Springsteen in concert. Not necessarily his music, but in, in concert. Because, oh, you got to go sit three and a half hours. Oh, man, he gives you everything. Okay, I get it. And I saw him on the Tunnel of Love tour. And he, he put on a great show. I saw him on Broadway. Put on a great show. He's wonderful. I mean, truly, you know, one of the greats. A singer-songwriter, which is rare. And the, the different genres that he's tapped into. I mean, listen to Nebraska. Good God. And then you do the Ghost of Tom Joad. And then you do this country album that he just put out and then did a movie. I mean, his resume is unbelievable. It's, it's true. It, it, it's truly, truly remarkable. It's like a, a better sounding Dylan, a more polished Bob Dylan. And sustainability, still relevant, powerful. Yeah, Paul. For the past year or so, I've been listening to the Tom Pat- Petty channel. I, I think he's becoming, and he always was one of my favorite artists, but I, he's, he might be my favorite of all time. Because I just think his music is fantastic. It's bluesy. It's it's rockabilly. It's it's got strings. There's all kinds of different stuff. I don't think he was ever considered you know, the biggest star in the world ever. Or I don't know how he's gonna be treated by history. But his music is fantastic. And even the stuff that the B sides I never heard before, I, I really love it. I'm fortunate. My wife got me tickets. Uh, it was a few months before Tom died, and uh, I always wanted to go see Petty in concert. And uh, I was driving in today. I'm learning. To fly, but I ain't got wings. Came on, and I just said it's it's just it's it's brilliant song, uh, great sounding band. But he got in with the Traveling Wilburys, so he was in with George Harrison, uh, Mike Lynn from ELO, and Bob Dylan. And so you, it felt like Petty was always overshadowed. There was always somebody else that was going to overshadow him. But you go back, he got hits, man. That's that's quite a catalog that he's got there. 
Yeah, see. Have you um, watched? We've mentioned it a couple of times yet, but I don't remember if you've watched that the yesterday movie. Yes. About the it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's cute. I like it. Yeah. 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 So people don't know. They have never heard of the Beatles. And then this guy starts singing the Beatles songs. He becomes this huge hit. And, uh, you know, Ed Sheeran makes a cameo in there. And it's cute. I, I liked it. Yeah, McLeod. I, I watched it came away with a new appreciation for how powerful the Beatles were. I, I loved it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, just the fact that, you know, they got a hold of McCartney and Paul was like, yeah, you could do it. There was the other movie about Springsteen that they got a hold of Springsteen to say, can we do, you know, there was a, I don't know, a boy in England who was obsessed with Springsteen and the lyrics that Springsteen, you know, out on a cassette. Yeah, McLovin. It was called Blinded by the Light. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Paul Feinbaum will join us coming up. Uh, let me get to Chip in Maine. Hi, Chip. What do you have for me today? Hey, morning, DP. How are you, man? Good, sir. Doing great. Uh, I just wanted to offer this. Uh, I, I think the Beatles, part of the, the attraction of the Beatles for, for music fans is we always, you know, music fans often argue, um, you know, who is the best band in the world uh, versus who is the most popular band in the world. And those are seldom, the, yep. seldom both. But I think the Beatles are unique in that. For a moment in time, whether it be three years or five years or whatever it is, I don't think any other band can take the claim that they were both the undisputed best band and most popular band in the world at the same time. All right. That's good stuff, and Chip. I, thank I, you. Yeah. And what else? Uh, that's it. Thanks. Okay. Chris. Thank you, Chip. Uh, Dan in Chicago. Then we'll take a break. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Uh, just want to say, um, you know, I think for, for me, I just turned 30, and a lot of it depends on who your folks listening to growing up. Mm-hmm. My dad was a big Zeppelin fan, me and both of my brothers, the first phrase we ever spoke was Zeppelin, Zeppelin rules, and he made sure of it. <laughs> um, what I think a lot of it has to do is, you know, again, what your parents listen to. Now, there is an artist that I did not grow up listening to that I'm absolutely in love with. Billy Joel, I think it is, you know, right up there with Springsteen, stands the test of time, great singer, songwriter, musician, showman. I've seen him in Wrigley like three times. So I, I think a lot of it just kind of depends on who did you grow up with. And if you are of the younger generation and can appreciate someone that you didn't have forced upon you, um, that really says something, too. I think there's something. And thank you, Dan. I think it's just by proxy where you're listening. You know, I, I make sure my kids when I'm when I'm at home, they're at home. I control the music. I want them listening to good music. And I said, look, you can introduce me to people that you like Lizzo. Over Thanksgiving, my daughter's like, Dad, it's time, man. It's time. Post Malone, Dad, it's time. And I'm going kicking and screaming. And then all of a sudden I go, thank you. I enjoy Lizzo. I think Post Malone, he did the Nirvana concert. I th- I oh, think- dude, did you watch that? Yes. It was, it was so good. Really good. Great. Well, he's yeah. got a Nirvana lyric on his face. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I let them tell me some, you know, musical artists that I might miss. And, you know, sometimes I go, nope, but they have to know the core. They have to know what is great music. And that's Chuck Berry, Little Richard. I mean, there's other, you know, influences. I mean, the Beatles were influenced by Little Richard and Chuck Berry greatly. The Stones and who influenced them listening to those songs as well. You know, Led Zeppelin influenced by a black artist. Just understanding that. You know, it makes you a little bit more well-rounded when you get into a conversation with the chat row. Take a break here. More phone calls coming up. Uh, I don't know if Paul Feinbaum loves music. If we're trying to guess Paul Feinbaum's favorite band, 
He's 64. He's from when Me- I'm 64. He's 64. He's from no, Memphis, Paulie, Tennessee. Paulie, I got to go to a break. Oh, I'm just giving you the setup. No, we got to wait, and then we get fine. But you do your research during the commercial break. All right. All right, thank you. 21 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. Well, I just got some information. Tyler, the moderator, moderates the chat row. He said there was no real debate about the Beatles in chat row. McLovin may have sensationalized this a little bit. Embracing debate, apparently. So we'll check in with McLovin. Poor Tyler, the moderator, got roughed up by chat row. They said, you leaked this information. So Tyler's back there ducking for cover. All righty. Let me see. We'll talk to Meta World Peace coming up in a little bit. Let's make way for Paul Feinbaum, the popular New York Times bestselling author, ESPN commentator. And you can listen to him on ESPN radio every single day, Monday through Friday. All right. Here was the guest. Paul, we were wondering your favorite artist or band growing up. Now, save your answer. I'm going to go. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to go Elvis Presley was your favorite artist growing up. Paulie, you got one? I, I'm, I, I was, that's a great guess, Dan. I'm going to go close to that. I'm going to go Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Hmm. All right, let's bring in Paul Feinbaum. Paul, your favorite artist. Yeah, neither of the above, I might add. Um, uh, growing up and in, in, into college, my favorite artist was Neil Young. Okay. All right. That's good. I mean, I mean uh, he was so depressing and it, it just it fit my mood at the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we wanted to hear from you, Paul. Okay. So uh, see, see you guys. have Thanks a great afternoon. Uh, yeah, you got it. I'm wondering if we're going to see conferences come back and play. You know, like, could the SEC go rogue in a situation like this with college football coming up that they're going to play their schedule and they don't worry about the other conferences? Dan, I don't think they will. And I know I know what the reputation is. I, I live down here. But I think uh, the SEC w- would certainly like, let me use a NASCAR phrase here, like to have a drafting partner. Uh, they don't want to be alone. Uh, and, and I think I don't think uh, you, you could see several conferences do it and some not. But I don't think you'll only see the SEC play college football this year. The state of college football right now feels like it's on hold. But – what do you need to see before you think we're going to have, first of all, games, and will we have fans in the stands? Well, I, I think to start, uh, I do not believe uh, that college football will be played this fall unless there are stands, fans in the stands, and most important, Dan, students on campus. And I, I know we, we're not going to try to make college football sacrosanct here. Uh, we all know what it is. But I, I think the people that run these universities, the college presidents, are not going to take that type of hit. Uh, they'll do almost anything for money. That's been proven time and time again. But, but I think the look would be so bad. And I've spoken to countless commissioners and, and athletic directors and coaches. And while there may be a desire and, and a need to play to stay afloat, I don't believe the, the, the overwhelming majority of colleges will play unless they can get students back. And I'm not talking about online. Uh, and that is why. Now that the draft has passed and ultimately the Michael Jordan documentary will move on as well, uh, I think the biggest uh, sports question moving into the next 
four to six weeks is going to be college football because uh, it is a mystery. It's not like the NFL where you can quarantine and get the uh, players to sign waivers. Uh, it's it's real. And I've had pa- uh, parents and players call me on the air and say, I'm not letting my son play yeah. uh, unless students are on campus. I mean, it is a really intriguing conversation. I was told the Pac-12 is in a little bit of trouble from the standpoint of travel and you know what's going on in California, the state of you know California being quarantined. But um, is is the SEC probably in the best shape with geographically, uh, you know, the situation? Yes, um, and you know, I, I think uh, in the SEC, uh, I live in North Carolina, and my state. Uh, well, it's not my state; it's Michael Jordan State. Um, <laughs> has, has not uh, has not opened up yet. It's one of the few, um, but. Uh, you know, not, not to get too deep into ideology here, but most Southern governors uh, have, have followed the, the lead from from the from the president and have opened up, and and I think that makes it a little bit easier. But uh, you know, at, at the end of this conversation, uh, they will have company. The ACC, uh, as we all know, goes from uh, Boston to to Miami, uh, so I think you'll see. Uh, a majority of those those states go along. The Big Ten is more problematic. I, I talked to a regent last night from the University of Minnesota who doesn't think we'll have college football, uh, who who doesn't think a lot of things. So I mean, it, it's it's a it's a it's an amazing conversation. Um, uh, and and I and I bet I've asked this question since March twelfth, uh, five thousand times, and uh, to, to commissioners and, and and the like. And and I don't know remains the most common answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you. I, we've been setting these arbitrary dates and I say it's dangerous because it gives people this false sense of hope that that's there or that it's like, hey, everything will be good by then. And we're walking back these dates. And yeah. if 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 the NFL comes back, if the NFL plays, though, Paul, I wonder what that does to college football and just putting pressure on, hey, the NFL's plan. Why aren't you guys? Well, I think tomorrow night is going to be interesting. Uh, When the NFL schedule comes out, I think the reality is going to seep into everyone outside of the NFL that they're back. Uh, And, you know, regardless, uh, they'll figure out a way to get games in. And and I think the most dangerous sign to college football is the story that came out the other day that the NFL, without college football, will play on Saturday and and ultimately on Saturday night. So uh, that's college football has already uh, been diminished because of the NFL. Uh, I, w- I bet you go back six, seven years ago, not only the NFL, but the NBA. Six, seven years ago, college football may have ranked number two behind the NFL. The explosion of the NBA has pushed college football back even more. Um, so they do not want to cede that power. But but here's the real issue in college football, Dan. I know you're a fan, and you, you know what I'm about to say. Nobody is in charge. Yeah. Uh, this isn't like uh, Roger Goodell can, can, can put out an edict or, or Manford or someone else. Um, there is not one person who, who runs college football. You have these five commissioners, uh, and I liken them to the good old days of the five families uh, who ran the mob in New York. Uh, and they, they zoom in every day like we are, uh, and they have these conversations. And there's an ex officio member who really does have a vote, and that's Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame and a few other uh, occasional guests, as long as they bring good food. And and that's where we are right now. And, and these are all the very inde- independent and autonomous thinking uh, people. But I, I do believe when they say they want to find a, some common ground. Uh, you mentioned the Pac-12. Uh, that, the, that has been the outlier in college football for a long time. Uh, they, they have been nowhere to be found, uh, at least uh, other than, I think, twice in the college football playoff. 
so they will not be the most important component of this conversation. It's Paul Feinbaum from The Mothership. You can uh, hear him on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 81, every single day. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, this conversation is starting to emerge now about you know Trevor Lawrence and who's going to tank for Trevor Lawrence like you know, the Dolphins were tanking for Tua. If, if Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and had this wonderful, wonderful season, maybe the greatest season of all time at that position. If you were, you know, investing in stocks and I said, I gave you Tua, Trevor, or Joe Burrow in the NFL, what would you invest in? I would invest in Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I, well, we, we've already had the conversations about the other two, but, but I think he has the raw talent. Uh, when you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence on a football field at ground level, it, it, it's astonishing to see. Uh, and he did not have a good year uh, in 2019. I say that with his team being undefeated uh, and only losing one game. I mean, but he was off. Uh, he, got, he pressed way too hard uh, in the beginning. I think he was bored, Dan, I swear. Uh, he, he looked at the defenses, especially in the ACC, and said to himself, I've got to challenge myself. Uh, I'm going to try to find the narrowest window I can to replicate what I'm going to do at the next level. And uh, he, he struggled uh, out of the gate. He, he, he found his rhythm later on. But, but I think he's the best of those three. Burl is an enigma. Uh, and, uh, and, and I still think he'll have a good career. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think Joe Burrow will will be a Hall of Famer. Tua is is either going to be uh, yeah. one of the greatest or a bust. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, there's no way, there's no way of getting around that one. Yeah, the whole Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's he can't miss. You keep hearing that can't miss. It's like Andrew Luck. We see this occasionally. Like once yeah. every generation, you have the quarterback. Andrew Luck was that. John Elway was that. I don't know if we've had another one, and then it looks like it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Would you say that he fits into that category and the expectations? I do, um, and I I think you know he don't forget he has a really good cast around him and has had that at, at Clemson, um, but but there's just so much raw ability there, and I, I will add one more thing. Uh, don't I know you haven't, but uh, Justin Fields uh, yeah. is someone to keep your eye on as well. I, I realize that. That's not breaking news. I think he's the number two pick to win the Heisman. Uh, but two years ago, he was in a backup position at the University of Georgia. So, I mean, I, I wonder, though, about uh, you know, where we all are as evaluators. When, when you think about uh, uh, Bur the last three Heisman winners uh, had to leave where they were. Uh, and they were the number one draft choice as well because they couldn't get a starting job. Uh, not to not to crack on Urban Meyer, uh, but I will. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, don't forget Cam Newton uh, went to play for Urban Meyer and, and never saw a starting position, and, and neither did uh, Joe Burrow, uh, and uh, they both were the first place taken uh, in the NFL draft. Oh, that's your parting shot. Good to talk to you, Paul. Hope you're well. Thank you, bud. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Great that's Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, I knew he'd get a shot in there at somebody. And Neil Young is his favorite artist. All to live on Sugar Mountain. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, phone calls coming up next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show.
Get some phone calls here. Are we going to have a Kevin Durant sighting if the NBA season resumes? Also talk about Michael Jordan and how he is going to be viewed once this documentary is over. I think you'll be surprised at some of our opinions on that. Uh, Butch in Ohio sent an email. He says, DP, I think people's affinity for the Beatles stems from the fact that in 1964, they changed the culture and the music industry forever. It's important to note how they evolved as well. Their music in 1969 is unrecognizable from 1964. They defined them by, I, to define them by, I want to hold your hand is very unfair. In a five-year, six-year period, they changed their, their style, their music. And, you know, it, it, as he says, it's, if you said that's the same band that gave you, I want to hold your hand, you'd say no way. You know, you, revolution. Uh, I mean, all those d- different musics and and the things they were trying when they were recording. Just back then, you didn't have you know the technology you have nowadays, and maybe that made them better. I love the fact that George Harrison wrote some of the greatest songs of all time, and they looked at him like the little brother that maybe one day you get to write a song on an album. While my guitar gently weeps. Good God. Where's that come from? My sweet Lord. God. And those are those stand alone. He couldn't get on the albums. Now, maybe Paul and John were bullies, but, but George wrote some beautiful songs. Wynn in North Carolina joins us on the program. Hi, Wynn. Dan, thank you for taking my call. Uh, the uh, email from Ohio you just referenced is spot on. Uh, my comment is twofold. One about the Beatles, uh, the other about the best rock and roll band ever. Okay. The first is about the Beatles. I am 69 years old. In 64, I Want to Hold Your Hand came out. It was like a thermonuclear explosion. <laughs> over the culture of not only America and the world. So with all due respect, I think Mr. Perloff uh, is profoundly ignorant when he <laughs> just assigns the early Beatles period to some pop phenomena. Yeah. It's not. They changed the world forever, Dan. I mean, it's just that simple. Secondly, um, the best rock and roll band in the world is the Rolling Stones. Example or Exhibit A, Exile on Main Street, the best album ever done, uh, followed closely by Lenny Calling on The Clash. All right. Peace out, folks. Thank you, Wynn. Thank you, Wynn. Well, you had me until you said The Clash. And then I went, no, nah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I like The Clash. Don't love The Clash. Um, Exile on Main Street. Isn't that the one they, uh, they recorded in the south of France? Yeah. Yeah. So the greatest album of all time some of the Beatles aren't on those songs because they couldn't wake them up. Everybody was in a drug stupor back then, which maybe that helped them. I don't know. Yes, ignorant McLovin. How can you love Led Zeppelin, who rocked so hard, and then sit by with I Want to Hold Your Hand? Like, I feel like you're more of a, you know, like, I don't know why you're not backing some of the harder rocking bands in the Beatles. Well, no, I love them. I, but I have to, the Beatles are separate from the Stones and the Who and Zeppelin. You know, if you throw in Aerosmith or whoever you want to throw in there, I, I love rock and roll. The Stones are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. There's no doubt about that. 
I saw them in concert back in the 70s. Um, they lived up to everything I thought they were going to be. And then some. Saw the Who back in the 70s. They lived up to everything I thought. Zeppelin in the mid-70s. They lived up to everything. Pink Floyd on the Animals Tour lived up to everything I thought. I didn't see the Beatles, but the Beatles were an experience. These other bands weren't an experience. The Beatles were a thing, like this moving thing. And their music has withstood the test of time. And you can play I Want to Hold Your Hand to The Long and Winding Road or Let It Be or whatever those songs are. And, I mean, the Magical Mystery Tour, Sgt. Pepper, I mean, it's just brilliant. Like, out of this world, crazy greatness there. Yes, Eden. Yeah, I mean, right, there's sort of, it seems like there's more of a cultural revolution thing, like where they change the way people dressed and their haircuts and things like that, and it's wrapped up in more than just music. Yeah. But at a certain point, you do have to just, you have to let go of just, I want to hold your hand and recognize them as the whole, yeah, the I whole th- like totality of the Beatles, not just the pop song. I think because they did, I want to hold your hand, and then you listen to what they wrote at the end of their career, that's where you go, oh my God. From from that from A to Z, and and it's the same band. Yeah, McLove. Are we going to address the fact that "Let It Be" and "Yesterday" are basically the same song, or is anyone ever going to bring that up? <laughs> You're an ignorant fool. It's but, a great song. Don't get me I wrong, but it's the same right. song. Okay. All right. Well, so is every ACDC song. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Thunderstruck. That, that's a fact. That is that's a fact. Yes, actually. Yes, well, the Beatles are kind of like in that Michael Jed- Jordan category oh. where people will defend them to the death and won't hear anything else, which is fine. Mm. And but it's almost like the Beatles could use a 10 part documentary now as a reminder. I, I don't know where it would go, but that, that's a band where if you're 17, you have no reference for the Beatles. If you're, tw- you know, it's like you don't know Michael Jordan if you're 17, 18, 19. But this this docuseries is uh, giving you everything you need to know. Yeah, but I think music is different than watching somebody play basketball where you go. Okay, that's not my style of music. When you watch basketball, you're watching somebody do something you can't do. Now, you're listening to somebody do something you can't do, but it's just different with music. You may not like it. I can listen to Ozzy Osbourne. I'm not an Ozzy Osbourne fan, but I marvel at what he's able to do. I'm not the big Rush fan that Paulie is, but I marvel at what Getty Lee does. I'm good with that. Yeah. I I mean, but that doesn't... With Jordan... I mean, there's no refuting that. You just say, I mean, that's amazing. You compare Jordan to Rush? Love you, boss. <laughs> that a boy. My man. Uh, Reggie in Mississippi. Reggie, what's on your mind? Hey, Dan, good morning. Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. What's wrong? <laughs> Nothing's wrong. I'm, I'm actually laughing. I'm at work. Okay. Uh, but but, but uh, Chad Rowe is on fire right now. Why? I mean, it's just uh, the, the Beatles, uh, Feinbaum. Uh, somebody, somebody referred to the ex of which uh, band that, that Feinbaum like, uh, and he said he's from Memphis, so he's got to be Three Six Mafia. Uh, so it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Feinbaum's second favorite is Three Six. Didn't they win an Academy Award? Didn't yeah. they? <laughs> they did. I'm out here for a pimp. Yeah. Hustle and flow. <laughs> I oh, I love that. Thanks for the phone call, Reggie. Hustle and flow. Whew. Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff, man. Terrence Howard was so good there. He just beg, he just hoping somebody would hear his music. Thought he was going to be something. Uh, Jimmy in Chicago. Hi, Jimmy. What do you have for me today? 
Hey, Ben. I uh, just wanted to comment. Um, you know, I think it's amazing after all these years that the Beatles are still regarded as the best band. You know, when you bring when you ask that question, it's like they're always the first one you, you'll you'll bring up. Yeah. Um, but you got three of the, the best singers of all time in one band. Um, those uh, Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison. Those are my top five. Um, top five, top ten, definitely. Um, and uh, I think just the songwriting, like you said, and Lennon, McCartney, that duo and Harrison writing all those great hits, um, you know, they're up there. And that being said, I think the, the beauty of music is everyone can have their own favorite band, which is another cool thing. And uh, I also would say that Led Zeppelin, I, I'm i only 37, but I can put any song, in, like, I'll just throw them on, and like nine out of ten songs, I'll just like, just start rocking. Um, love Led Zeppelin. They might be the greatest rock band, in my opinion. Well, I think if they were around longer, uh, thank you, Jimmy. And look, I'm I'm a big Zeppelin fan. That time that we were, were we in Memphis, Paulie? Yes, at the Peabody Hotel. Oh, I think it was for like that AutoZone football thing with Mannings. I think we we're down there with Archie Manning. Archie Manning. And uh, I went to the lobby, and all of a sudden, Robert Plant, the lead singer of Zeppelin, was sitting with his guys. Your face was like, like very serious. I didn't know what to do. Yes, I I I thought, oh my god, should do I. Like, he doesn't know who I am, but he's got his band. And I thought maybe I walked around the table hoping that a member of his band would go, hey, Dan Patrick. And then I would go, oh, hey, guys, how are you? I can remember we were in the corner with beers. I'm like, just do a walk by. I know. Just keep doing laps until someone notices you. I'm walking around the table. And I'm keeping, you know, a safe distance. And here's Robert Plant. He's at the table and he's just, you know, he's casually dressed, jeans, T-shirt or something. And I'm going... What do I do? I, it's like when there's a girl in the bar and you go, I'm not going to go over and say anything. And your buddy goes, go, go, say something to Paulie was the guy going, go, go. And then I never did it. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, it's the right move. Yep. It was the right move. Because I know I would have screwed it up. Yep. Hi, hi, Mr. Plant. I love you on Stairway to Heaven. Can I get a picture? Hello, Mr. Page. I mean, Mr. Plant. Ah! Uh, 